Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. We're reading from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, he brought this up in chapter 3 about being a prisoner of Christ. But Paul's in prison. He's writing this from prison. And I wanted to hit that again because of some of the things he's going to say here. But watch this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, he is a prisoner of the Romans, but he said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. <laughs> I just love the way he thinks he's not being over spiritual, but he's saying, look, I was arrested because I'm serving the Lord. And he was warned, by the way, that uh, chains and tribulation awaited him. But he believed that he was supposed to go through this tribulation and not try to avoid it. A lot of us, you know, a lot of people, a lot of believers try to avoid persecution. But Paul didn't try to avoid persecution, especially if it would advance the gospel for him to go right in the, uh, the midst of a storm, so to speak. So he says, I therefore the prison Lord beseech you. It's like, it's like I, I earnestly ask, I practically beg you, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now think about this. This is Paul the aged. This is Paul toward the end of his life. He doesn't have all that long uh, left before he'll be uh, killed. He'll be beheaded. So what is he doing? He's in prison. He doesn't know that he'll be able to travel around anymore to come back and visit these churches. In fact, uh, when he was traveling to Jerusalem where he was first arrested and then sent to Caesarea and then on toward Rome, uh, on the way to Jerusalem, he called for the elders of Ephesus and he said to them, I don't know if you'll ever see my face again. And oh, they wept over that. They wept over that. So now he's writing to them sometime later, uh, several years later at least. He's writing to them and he's saying to them, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He's spent all of these years now laying his life down, going through tribulation, shipwrecked, uh, stoned with stones and rocks, left for dead, beaten several times, scourged like Jesus was scourged with the whip, the cat of nine tails and such, and uh, perils of the, his own countrymen, danger and perils with uh, the people in the city, etc., etc. He was beat up so many times. But now he can't go anymore. He's a prisoner. And so what does he say? He said, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. It's as if he is in prison and he's got a baton in his hand. He's holding the baton through the bars. He's reaching out to the Ephesians and he's saying, I can't go anymore. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm in prison here. I'm locked up. But you have to do it. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You have to take the baton. You have to go. You have to fulfill your ministry and such. It's a very touching thing. And of course, they know the Apostle Paul. They know that he has given his life to get the good news to Jesus and to see people saved. And so he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness. Don't be prideful. Don't be cocky. 
with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. Oh, I know people are a pain, but but suffer long with them. Don't give up on them. Don't don't lash out at them with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Do you see the the fatherly advice here? Do you see the mentoring that's happening? I want you to be in the ministry, but don't be harsh with people. People are hurting. People are insecure. People are facing challenges. People are afraid. Don't be like that. Be gentle. Be humble. Be long-suffering. Be gracious with people. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That word endeavoring is is spudazo, to strain every nerve, do everything you need to do to make sure to keep unity. Don't let the devil divide you. Don't let uh, schisms or unforgiveness or anything pull you apart. Apologize quickly. Forgive one another quickly. Stay in unity. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. See, he's talking to them. You're called. It's not just me. It's you. You're called of God in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He's saying, we're all in the same family. We all have the same spirit. We all have the same Father. Come on, let's lean into this. Let's go after the things of God. Let's go after our ministry callings and assignments and live the way that we ought to live to fulfill them. Verse seven, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, this is a prophecy about Jesus. He led captivity captive when he ascended on high. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave. It said he gave gifts to men. Well, what gifts are they? Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are gifts from Jesus himself. Oh, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, we need to treat them as gifts. We need to treat them as gifts. And not all of them, by the way, have a title. Not all of them are on a church staff or or on a platform somewhere. Some of them, they just do it. They pastor people or they win people to the Lord or they start up ministries or, or they speak prophetically and such, or they teach the word of God. So some don't have titles, but they they play these roles and they're gifts of the Lord. They have these office graces on their lives. So this says that these five were given for the equipping of the saints. This is why they're given. They're, this is why Jesus graced them with these abilities. It, they, they weren't born with it. This is a grace that's given to them. And so for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, every believer needs to do the work of the ministry. This is not just for the, I like to tell our congregation, that the good-looking pastor. (laughs) No, uh, this is for every believer. They have a ministry, but the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are to equip the rest of the people for the work of ministry and for the edifying, edifying, nourishing 
building up, giving the nutrients, of spiritual nutrients, the edifying of the body of Christ, till, how long does this process need to happen? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. What, what man? To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, this is the man. It's really Jesus, but he's the head and we're the body. So we've been made one with Jesus and we're one man, the head and the body. Well, I like to think of it this way. He's very mature, so he's a full-grown head, but the body is still trying to grow up to match the head. So it says this. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, Verse 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness, we're growing up to match this mature head, Jesus, and to the fullness of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Well, how do you not be tossed? You're grounded in the teaching of the word of God. You know God's word, so you, you can pick off a false doctrine just like that. But people that don't know the word of God, they don't have that insight from his word. Oh, they're very easily swayed because something sounds reasonable, it makes sense, or it's inspirational, and they buy it. But it's not scriptural, see? And so the fivefold ministry is edifying the body of Christ so that we can grow up and not be tossed around with these uh, doctrines that are false, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the trickery of men. So there are human beings that uh, will use these doctrines to their advantage, the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So there's, there's intentionality, there's a deliberateness to some of these false doctrines. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Every part. You, me, everybody in the body of Christ, we all have to do our share. We all have an assignment and you have an assignment for this season and then next season you may have a different assignment or not. But every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we all do our share, then it causes the whole body to grow up spiritually and, and to advance and to grow numerically too for the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. See, they're Gentiles, primarily, but you shouldn't walk like the rest of the Gentiles. We're not like everybody else. We're in Christ. You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. They're just walking according to their own reasoning, but it's futile. It's going nowhere. It, it may make sense to you, but you know, Proverbs says twice, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. And so he says, don't walk like the other Gentiles in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Well, what's interesting that I've noticed is people that have their minds darkened spiritually, they don't realize it. They think they see clearly. <laughs> it's like, I remember my mom years ago, 
uh, she realized that that she needed something done with her eyes. They, they just weren't seeing quite so well. So she went and had a little procedure done, a little surgery done. And man, when her eyes cleared up, she said, I did not realize how bad they were. I can see so clearly now. She said, I knew I was having a little trouble. She said, but I didn't realize how many years it had been since I had been able to see clearly. Very interesting. Well, in the same way, the, the people that have their minds darkened, they think they see clearly. They don't realize you're, you're mixed up. You're fouled up. We're watching this happen in our day and age, things that are logical and reasonable. Now, people don't see that. They see things, <laughs> they're believing things that, that you know, anybody that with any sense would say, why are you believing that? But their minds are darkened. They think they're enlightened. But this is what the Bible says. It says that their minds are darkened. Let's see. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Oh, this I say, coming down to verse 17. In the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. See, they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They're so ignorant. Now, they may be very intelligent. They may be very educated, have degrees, have a lot of money, but their spiritual ignorance is, is blinding. I mean, they, they have no idea that they're ignorant. They think they're really smart. But it says they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness. In other words, they, they can't even feel and be sensitive to anybody else's feelings anymore. They're past feeling. They've given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. They'll just take advantage of people and know they're taking advantage of people. But hey, it's a good business. Hey, we're making money and we know. Like, for example, a pharmaceutical company that knows that people are addicted to opioids and yet they just keep pumping it out, pumping it out, pumping it out. But they know it's destroying people's lives. And they'll do it anyway. Why? They're alienated. Somebody that would do that is alienated from the life of God. And their past feelings, they, they can't feel for people anymore. They can't, they can't feel the damage that this does for people. Hey, we're making money. Everything's going well. And so it goes on to say, uh, to work all lewdness with uncleanness and greediness. See, the greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. That's not the way you were taught in the Lord. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Oh, I just love that. The truth is in Jesus. Memorize that. The truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put off the way you used to live and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Begin to think the way that God thinks, because these are accurate thoughts. These are true thoughts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And it goes on to say, uh, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Your born again spirit is now righteous. It has holiness in there. Paul said, don't leave it inside your spirit and walk in the mind and the emotions and the flesh. No, put on the new man and walk 
that person out. Tell your mind to be quiet. Tell your flesh to be quiet. And let this born again, new righteous man walk this out. Walk your life out. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. He said, stop all this lying like other people do in the world. Speak truth with your neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. You can get angry at things because things are wrong. But don't sin over it. Don't justify sinning because you were angry. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Very important. If you're angry and you're angry at somebody, maybe even your spouse, don't let that go all the way tonight. Somebody said, yeah, don't, don't go to sleep. Well, not just don't go to sleep. He said, don't even let the sun go down. I mean, take care of this very quickly. Don't let it linger hours. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Oh, let me tell you, the devil will take an inch and run you a mile the wrong direction. And so he said, don't give any place to the devil with strife or unforgiveness or anger or wrath or anything. Uh, lust, flirting with anybody that's not your spouse. Oh, let me tell you. And of course, if you're single and you're, you know, uh, with somebody, I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever be attracted to somebody when you're praying about who you would marry and such, but we're talking about the wrong flirting or flirting with the wrong people. All of that, don't give any place to the devil because the devil's looking for an opportunity to destroy. Let him who stole steal no longer. I just love this. He See, Paul is a preacher of grace, but Paul's also saying, yeah, but now that you have the grace and the forgiveness and salvation, let's walk right before the Lord. See, people need to understand, read the Bible, and you'll understand this. It's so clear, but people just get off in a ditch on one side of the road or the other. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. This is important. We're not supposed to just be depending on the government and letting other people take care of us. And just because we can get money without working, well, let's do it. No, he said, that's not the way we do it in the kingdom of God. We take care of ourselves. We work with our own hands. We, we're part of the solution. We're not part of the problem. We're part of the solution. We're givers. We're not takers. And so he says, uh, working with his hands, what is good, that he may, in other words, in a good profession, a good, honest profession, that he may have something uh, to give uh, to him who has need. Let no corrupt word, oh, hear the words, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but only what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Oh, watch your words. Don't do, don't say things that tear people down. Only say things that will strengthen people, even if you have to bring correction. Bring correction in a way that is redemptive, that allows them to be strengthened through this process. See, but don't try to rip people down and leave them injured and bleeding, so to speak. But impart grace to the hearers, even if you correct them, inject the grace that there is forgiveness, there is a way forward in this situation. Let all bitterness, verse 31, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Do you see the fatherly mentoring here? All oh, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted to one another 
forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So you can see Paul, he's mentoring, he's discipling them in the way of walking in Christ. And guess what? He's discipling us as well. And we're hearing him. And we're not to be hearers of the word. We're to be doers of the word. So I charge you in Jesus' name to live like this, to walk like this, to put these principles into practice. God is a good God. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.